0: TV news anchors Megan Gilland and Patrice Sanders have faced major challenges in their careers as journalists. They get to work hours before the sun rises, spend their work day in front of thousands of viewers, and ask tough questions to some of the most powerful people in the community. But nothing has prepared
1: them for their next assignment. Their little girls are going to kindergarten. In their new role, they must balance challenging careers with family duties and the new insecurities all moms face this is tv news moms unfiltered you know we joke that we need to update that but they're not technically going to first grade they're virtually going to to first grade so it's still accurate they're
0: going from in my house at least they're going from her bedroom into my office where her her <laughs> oh school um, desk and everything will be set up um, so it, it's time to talk about not only the school aspect of it, but the extracurricular activity
1: aspects of it, which are also being interrupted. So many changes. We're inviting Dr. Venetia Amin with us back from Mercy, or excuse me, the University of Maryland Medical System joining us here this morning. Thank you for for being here with us again. Absolutely,
2: Megan, good morning.
1: And you know, we we talk about sports being impacted by this. You know, I, I was holding on to hope that my daughter's soccer would go on. We're still a go. I think many parents though are worried if it's safe to, to be sending your kids to, to these sporting events.
2: The CDC does have really good guidance on this. So um, they've tiered up the levels of risk. Meaning if, if you say your daughter goes back to soccer, you know, if she's playing outside, if they're outside, if they're safely social distance, six foot from one another, if they're practicing conditioning exercises, skill training exercises, um, distance from one another. I think um, that's good. The AAP, the American um, Academy of Pediatricians, they they have a pretty good stance on this, which is, you know, the COVID-19 is here to stay, and it is important uh, for children to return to what will be um, our new normal, to um, you know, get them back on board with just interaction, emotional interaction, physical interaction with other people.
0: What about when, you're, when it's beyond just the conditioning, like you said, because then you can social distance, but when you're actually into playing the games, a lot of uh, the high school and a lot of colleges were bringing their students back and getting ready to do the practices as if a season would start, and then now a lot of them have backed out of that. But how do you do contact sports in COVID?
2: So here's the thing. It it is a high risk situation, which is why it's tiered Um, in a situation where you're doing contact sports or even practicing amongst the team. That's higher risk than conditioning or skill training, meaning the, you know, the NBA is doing it right. They have a national bubble. What we need to do to get our kids back to that place, mass test testing, um, making sure these kids are tested. Um, Other than that, what's going on right now, if they're in close vicinity towards each other, then we know that this is a respiratory droplet. We know that they run the risk of passing it along to each other. Now, the issue becomes if the child or if the youth is vulnerable, meaning if they have asthma, if they have diabetes, if they have underlying heart disease, they can be affected more seriously than their um, other other youth um, counterparts that, who might not have these conditions.
1: That is a question I want to ask you right now, because I think so many parents, um, you know, myself included, feeling kind of safe, you know, if you don't have those pre-existing conditions, that kids don't seem to be getting this. You know, at the young adults, the college level, you can understand because we are seeing some young adults getting it. Are kids getting it is my question for you. Are they transmitting it? You know, should we be, be concerned on that?
2: So, we have over 20 million cases worldwide. Um, the percentage that children are getting it is fairly low. We're, we are seeing more and more data emerge. The last two weeks of July, um, I believe. Uh, there was greater than 100,000 children that tested positive. So there are kids that are getting it. Are they transmitting it? Sure, they can transmit it as well. But are they becoming as ill as their vulnerable counterparts, like the older population, the greater than 50 years of age, with underlying comorbid conditions, heart disease, lung disease, diabetes? Not quite. Um, So is it safe for these kids to go back? I wouldn't necessarily comment and say that it is 100% safe. I think it comes down to risk stratification, um, knowing your environment as a parent, knowing if you have vulnerable adults within your own household, knowing how risky it would be for for your own household to have your child go out there, possibly contract this virus, not be symptomatic, and pass it along to your loved ones within the household. So I think it's a risk benefit stratification.
0: So I have two questions. Uh, about that based on what you were saying so we both have elementary uh, aged kids so talk about the risk among if, if your kids are healthy everybody in your household is healthy the risk among the elementary aged versus what Megan was pointing out we've seen the distinction as you get older we've seen some of the older kids maybe high school what's what's the cutoff to where we say you know kids aren't really getting it and they're not getting it too badly what, what is that age cutoff where they then start to get it
2: we We don't necessarily have an age cutoff. I think as more data emerges we'll have that age cutoff but absolutely I, I do agree with the fact that you know the, the older kids, like we are seeing more data emerge that it is, you know, the older youth, the older kids that are getting it more, or even the college athletes are more predisposed to getting it as opposed to younger.
0: My second question about that then was, so we've been reporting it, have reported about um, the older kids and then even to the professional, a uh, professional sports teams that part of the problem was when you're working out so strenuously, um, they're seeing problems with your heart. That is what is developing. Do we need to be concerned about that at kids at that young age?
2: So here's the thing. Um, Myocarditis is not something that we commonly see in kids. Is it something that we don't see or won't see? We can't say that. But it is not something that we commonly see. Now, for adults, um, and when we associate inflammation of the heart muscle, like exactly what you're talking about, the 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 medical term for that is myocarditis Mm -hmm. or inflammation of that heart muscle. Well, it's not just the COVID-19 that can cause it. We've seen that the COVID-19 is causing it but it can be caused by a whole slew of viruses or bacteria you know just then
1: oh go go ahead
2: and uh although it's not something that we're seeing in that younger population we have seen covid related illness um just a couple months ago where we had kawasaki like illness Mm -hmm. in children where they were you know there was diffuse inflammation swelling of extremities um body rashes and these kids were quite uncomfortable in that situation
1: There's there's so much misinformation so that's why I'm glad we have you here to clear some Mm -hmm. up. There was something going around recently that said while some kids are testing positive, they're not showing symptoms and they're not able to uh, pass it along to other people. Is that a myth? Are they actually able to to (laughs) transmit this to other people?
2: They are, yeah. that is an absolute myth, and let's just please bust that myth, clear that notion. This is this virus does not discriminate. It You know, what this virus is looking at is that, do I have a host, whether it's a bat or whether it's a human? Uh-huh. Do I have a live host to live in? And that virus basically thrives in a live host. The viral load is so high that these kids could very well still be asymptomatic carriers for the first three to five days just like adults.
0: That's so interesting that they can carry it and have it in that high of a dosage, but it doesn't impact them, which is good. As a parent, if, if somebody's gonna bear the brunt of it, you want it to be you and not the, and not the child. So it's just interesting that they can have it and be okay and fine, but pass it on to the older folks in the family and then they not be so fine.
2: Correct. And we've also noticed that the viral load, meaning the amount of virus that these kids are carrying, is a little bit lower, Patrice. So they have it, but the viral load seems to be slightly on the lower end.
0: Okay. Until you start getting older and putting right.
1: them all together and then they're.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I have one more question for you. Uh, sure. What is the difference between going to soccer practice for these kids and going to school is it really just a numbers game because i know many you know young kids are you know still have their you know athletic stuff but not schooling is it just the groups or what what's the difference
2: So the difference is that um, being in close vicinity towards each other. So when you're in a classroom, a lot of classrooms are so safely social distancing themselves, you know, Um, they're cutting down, cutting back on classes, they're cutting, a lot of schools are doing virtual learning. So I think what happens with sports is that there's a risk of being in close vicinity or close contact within six foot of one another. There is a risk of sharing equipment. there's a risk of being close enough where you're able to transmit that virus for a long enough time. And that's the big risk because you're not able to safely social distance Whether versus any classroom. You're basically sitting on that desk and you know you're, these, these desks are, I would imagine, six feet apart from one another.
0: So it seems like the reverse. They should be going to school and then not doing the sports, but what we're seeing is they're still able to do right. some of the individual sports leagues, but then no. not the school. Uh, c-
2: correct. And, and, and here's, here's the thing, the risk of being inside a classroom is still there because yeah, once again, exactly. it's a closed space, right? So the thought of starting sports back up is basically, you know, when the CDC launched your recommendations, they tiered it out very, very clearly. They said the lowest risk is if your kids are doing conditioning exercises, if they're doing skill training exercises, and then as you move up, if they're you know, practicing within their team. If they're practicing within their region, um, these are higher risk categories. So when they say return to sports, they're also countering and they're also taking into consideration. Know the numbers within your state and your region. Know how the coronavirus and what curve it's following, hmm. um, and know what your you know local um, policymakers authorities um, have to say about the the you know the communicable transmission within. your community before initiating these things all
0: right i have just one final question and it's about sports it's not about kids in sports but i'm just curious what you think about the likelihood that there can actually be a full football professional football season i mean already with the with the baseball that's not even close close contact the way football would be and we're already seeing problems they're not in the bubble the way they are in the nba What do you think is going to happen?
2: Here's the thing. I think the NBA is doing it right. The NBA has created a bubble. What Uh have they done? They've done what medical professionals have been telling, you know, telling every, like preaching about for all these months, mass testing, you know, following, um, creating almost like a bubble environment where everyone's being tested. If you're, everyone's temperature is being checked, they're practicing really strict hygiene methods. Now, can that happen with football? It would take a lot. Because number one, the the the, the number of people. players warranted, correct? Right. The number of people warranted within um, the NFL is a lot more. And they don't want the bubble. The, the players already
0: said, "No, we're not going to be in a bubble. <laughs> I want to go home to my family." So I'm just thinking, mm-hmm. how is that going to work?
2: I, I I would imagine it. You know, it'll be what we. You know, it'll be similar to what we saw with baseball. Um, the risk of transmission will be there, and especially if we're not able to mass text. To, you know, test people, if we're not able to, you know, monitor their symptoms closely, this, this will be another issue where, you know, the disease will be transmitted from one person to another, especially when these players are in such close vicinity to each other.
1: Wow. All right. Dr. Amin, as always, a wealth of information and so helpful in times of, uh, of uncertainty yeah who knows what's coming all right my do- my husband was down in the basement <laughs> playing dodgeball with naomi that
0: might be Gotta the extent of our sports <laughs> all right we'll all see you all,
2: right. all righty take care bye